Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few Ranger Podcast. My name's Colin McDuff and joining me today, as always, Mr Scott Hodge. Hi Colin. Ian McCready. Afternoon. And returning from the despair of diarrhoea, making a comeback, Craig McAdam. How are you feeling, Craig? Much better, thanks for your concern and well wishes of <laughs> back fighting fit, ready to go. Yeah, we, we were all rooting for you last week, it was touch and go, so it's great to see you back. <laughs> So, we're in strange territory uh, for the four of us. This is the first time we've got some actual football to talk about that we've all watched um, before coming on the podcast. So, we'll just get right in about it. Rangers kicked off the... Scott, how do you pronounce this cup? <laughs> <laughs> is it Viola? Uh, we'll, we'll go with that. That's we'll close enough. We'll go with that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Viola, or as Scott would call it, the Viagra Cup. Uh, <laughs> we, we kicked off our campaign on Thursday night against Leon. Rangers started this game. How they started this game was nothing short of excellent. Uh, we were 2 0 up in the first 25 minutes. Uh, goals from Yanis Hadji, and they're putting it down as a own goal from Marcelo, but it was Hadji that had a shot and it was deflected into the goal. Uh, so the first twenty five minutes, Ian, you know, up until up until the sending off, which we will come to, I thought Rangers were phenomenal. Um kinda kinda put me back to when we won three 0 against Leon. What did you think? Yeah, I go well there was a wee bit of deja vu from the, the Champions League game. Uh, the way we were going at them. Um great start. I thought we actually got we didn't drop off when the man went off either. Like we actually seemed to play better with ten men for some reason. We seemed to be good with ten men, and then any time we're ever playing against ten, 
were absolutely shocking. Um, so, but yeah, I think the the Kent Red card was harsh. Um, so, but good performance overall. See, with Kent, uh, the Kent Red card, Scott, I'm going to come to you because you're um, you've got quite an experience of red cards. You are actually the only man I know to be sent off in a charity game. <laughs> um, for me. Ah, yeah, it is harsh. Right, OK, it was a very soft red, but Kent's what Kent's gave the referee a decision to make. And I think after the last two years, uh, I'm personally, I'm sick and tired of constant suspension, silly booking, silly sending off. So I think we need to be more disciplined. Scott, am I being too harsh in Kent? Or? No, it's, it's stupidity in his front, really. And that's probably a bit rich coming through me, as you know, my... <laughs> disciplinary record would fit in quite well at Rangers actually but uh, it's it was absolute stupidity and do you know he's obviously a young boy and he needs to do that but the old firm he could easily get sent off when he, when he hits Scott Brown so you'd, you'd hope that he would learn from this and this is this was the best time for him to learn in a, a pre-season friendly but he can't the, the referee's right and well within his right to send them off and he's put himself in that situation he just hoped that he, he learns from it but as I say it's the perfect time to learn that lesson I'd say Ian going back to you quickly um, you're just leaving out Craig a day since I'm going to come to Craig the next point ok sorry we'll go to Craig Coming to you, um, you can't look too much into anything for pre-season friendly, but I think getting sent off in a friendly is, when the games don't mean anything, it's basically a glorified training game. Do we have? Do we still have an issue with disciplinary? Andy Halliday was in that Cypheria interview talking about how he even thought the disciplinary record was shocking and the players were getting fined. What does Gerard need to do to sort this out? If you ask me, Kent deserved a straight red card for that monstrosity in the back of his head. What's going on with that here, do? So, <laughs> aye, that should have been a straight straight red card, never mind anything else. But, aye, it's stupid, isn't it? It's it's soft. I don't think it, it should have been a, a sending off, especially in a friend when the ref could probably just have a word with him and tell him to calm down and watch himself, but it, it was soft, but aye, as we've said, if you raise your hands, then you're, you're getting yourself in trouble. Um, but, but we need to wait and see, because last season, it did seem as if we'd sort of fixed out all the disciplinary issues, but then it started to creep back in again. So hopefully it is, it is sorted now, and that will just be a wee blip, a one-off, but we'll, we'll need to wait and see what happens. Hmm. It was so bizarre, Seeing Rangers rolled in ten men and Morelos was still in the park. <laughs> that was uh, that was a strange a strange point. Aye, it's because it, usually when we are ten men and it's Morelos that goes off, we play like a sort of formation where we play like two wingers almost as centre forwards, but they obviously cover a lot of ground. And I don't think Morelos knew what to do, did he? Like, he was <laughs> a little lost. So. I actually hope this is a lesson for Morelos. I hope he came off the park absolutely fucked, thinking. Is this what I put everybody through <laughs> in the last two years? Ian, uh, the papers reported that for Slides, then. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm that's what I'm really company. You know, they are kind of match summary that Rangers held on desperately in the second half. Yeah, at one point we went down to nine men. I didn't see that at all in Leon. I thought we were really, really comfortable. What do you think? 
Well, I don't remember John McLaughlin making saves, so surely if we're holding on, the keeper's going to be the busiest man in the park. But no, I thought like at the end, the young boys caught pretty well. Like I don't think we were hanging on at all. It was it was all Leon right enough, but I thought we were fairly comfortable. Yeah, but Rangers were happy to let Leon have the ball, press at the right times, and. Uh, sit off at the right time, make them force a pass, and Rangers would sweep up. I think I thought it was really, you know, I sound like a hypocrite here. I'm going on about how we are a team with poor discipline in terms of bookings, but in terms of structure and formation, even with all the changes that uh, happened, I think we made like seven subs or something, or maybe even more. Really disciplined display. Uh, so Scott. Moving on to the Nice game, another 2-0 victory, uh, goals from Jermaine Defoe and Jamie Barjonis. So I'm going to need you guys to cover most of the game here because I was watching it in a dodgy link and I think i seen probably in total about 22 minutes of this game, uh, including the highlights. So from what I've seen, Rangers were very comfortable throughout. It seemed as if that, you know, they were just matching Nice's gear, when Nice would step it up, Rangers would comfortably step it up and match them. Aye, aye. It was, uh, I think, over the the two performances, really good shape about us. And, um, what I was really impressed with, impressed with, it didn't look like a pre-season game. Usually, you, you look at pre-season games and you look at like even the Premier League coming back, it's been very slow and they're just knocking the ball over the back. We had a great sort of pressing mentality and um, real good tempo. I think you, you could hear Gerard at his age shout tempo and press and have a shot, which is which is really good to see. So we need to continue that and I think it's important we keep that level of performance and effort going into the Motherwell game and uh, the Coventry game as well because if we do step off the gas a bit, it's just we're going to go to Aberdeen, it's just going to be a below par performance. So I thought it was in a really good, really good performance in our clean sheet. I think we did. We need to mention that as well. I thought both keepers were. I know we'll go on to like what areas, but the keepers had two really good performances and the defences were brilliant. Um, I really like. I think Ken and Hadji are linking up a lot better now as well. They're changing positions. They're making like sort of triangles and especially because obviously we started with the phone in the Nice game. We didn't play them like Morelos, if you know what I mean. We, we played we played them like Jermaine Defoe and we changed our system to suit him. So that's what I was particularly happy about. Yeah. Craig, I think I owe you an apology because I think uh, a couple of weeks ago I said I thought Jermaine Defoe was done and on the pod you, you politely disagreed uh, and you made the point that when he was playing last year, we the team was still playing as if it was Alfredo Morelos up front and not Jermaine Defoe. And I suppose that that yesterday just goes to show what what he can do when he's given the right given the right chance. Um, so apologies to you, Craig. You've you've put me wrong. I hope. That's uh, that's why I'm a, a gold tier staunch Rangers fan, unlike yourself. <laughs> uh, but I, the foe, it shows, see when he gets the ball in the box, like he's still just as sharp and that finishing is just lethal. It's it's not going to be running about all over the place the way 
that he would have done ten years ago. But he's if, if we can get him in the right positions and get the ball into him, we can actually hurt teams. He's he'll be absolutely fine this season. Um, probably do still need somebody else, but if you've got him in the penalty box, he's going to score goals against any team. Yeah, and we are going to look at. Uh, each area of the park and what we think we should need to bring in. But just finishing off on the the tournament as a whole, Ian, I think it's really, really impressive. And again, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to say that because we've won the Viagra Cup, we're going to go on and win the Champions League next year. Um, mainly because we're not in it. But <laughs> well, we might win the Europa and get in it that way. Oh well, that see there you go. So the the mug punter, the naive fan in me, you know, is very inclined to always jump the gun. So I'm I'm saying this with a pinch of salt. I think it's really impressive how we competed against both these teams. We a bigger budget, we absolute host of talent uh, amongst both teams in Leon and Nice, and they're a week ahead of us in their preseason preparation. It was a good tournament, Owen. Yeah, aye, so nobody, like I felt like everybody kind of done well when they did play. Everybody kind of seemed to get a shot at some point as well, but it was good to see that it was pretty much the first team um, that you'd expect that will get in the majority of the minutes. So I think like you could see what the, probably the, the thinking behind the starting lineup this year is going to be. And then just to get Patterson and Mayo in particular, to get them some good minutes and, and to get to see them a bit more because it does look like they two are now going to be our backup right back and probably the fourth centre half. It's a really good point there. It is good to it's good to see that the young players we are given a chance and I can only assume Stephen Gerrard has been listening the last few weeks when we've been buying on um, about giving youth a chance. Uh, and it's a really good point you, you mentioned there. Everybody who got minutes, whether it be the last 10 or the last 30 or whatever, everybody that could contribute uh, was really good. My only my only sort of worry is that we've we've set up in, in the style that we would set up in Europe. And we know we're a good European team. We know we can punch above our weight in Europe. We're a very good counter-attacking team and that's when Rangers are at their best, but where we need Rangers to perform is when there's 15 men behind the ball in the box and we need to break them down. Scott, do you think, uh, do you think that's why we've we've kind of balanced out two European games and two domestic games? That's, that, I was actually going to interrupt you and say that. I think that's why uh, we've done that. We've obviously got the Level cruising game, so we've got you know European style. Leon are still in the Champions League, and Nice are, are no mugs as well. So I think it's good we've got a, a Motherwell team who are going to not necessarily go all men behind the ball, but they will be more defensive than than your European teams. And and, and comment, I don't know much about commentary. To be fair, but I imagine they'll expect us to be heavy favourites. And you know, do you want to see Rangers line up? in a different formation or a different style? Not necessarily. I think it's more off the ball when we change our, our formation. Um, you know, we are... We'll maybe have, like... 
press behind the ball, if you know what I mean. Like in terms of like this starting lineup, I, I don't think we'll change that. But there might be a bit more freedom in the middle of the park. Maybe give like Kent and Hadji more of a free roll um, up top. So I don't, I don't feel I need to change for formation. But it's just more off the ball. We we expect a lot more of our, our forward players. I'd say. It'll be interesting to see how we do line up on Wednesday then and if we do the same, try and rotate as many players as we can or if we kind of go into a, the mode of this is a team starting against Aberdeen. But let's break down area by area. Um, Craig, we'll start with you with possibly the the most straightforward area. Goalkeepers, are you worried at all about our goalkeeping situation? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, we're probably actually, uh, you probably argue a good case for we're stronger this season with getting McLaughlin in instead of Wes. I, I did like Wes, um, but just instantly when McLaughlin was playing the other night, he just seemed so calm, so assured, uh, just looked solid and dependable. So I was really impressed by him. Um, I thought when we signed him, he'd be a good signing, sort of similar to like the Alexander um, signing going back a few years, but. Um, and he's just proved the other night why I thought it would be a good signing. So I'm completely happy with that. And McGregor will have at least another season, maybe two, um, as the main one. But I'd like to see McLaughlin getting chances for probably more likely cup games and that sort of thing. But I would like to see him getting a bit of game time this season. What I loved about John McLaughlin was Ian touched on it earlier when he said he didn't have too much to do. But when, even though he was going maybe long spells without having to make a save like maybe 15-20 minutes in the Leon game he made a couple of good saves and he was switched on I think that's the most important part about being a keeper at Rangers you're going to have a lot of game time where you're basically watching everybody else doing their thing and you maybe kick your ball out for a goal kick but then it's it's just that split second where out of nothing you need to make a save and I think he 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 showed himself really well in that sense. Aye, and the I think I know we shouldn't really get ahead of ourselves. I think you know he's had one good game, and but I think we have all been impressed with what he done at Hearts and Sunderland. But I think the the good the good point is is if McGregor does get injured, nobody's going to go into panic mode. I think we're all not not be excited or by by no means, but like we're going to be. Oh, well, it's not going to affect us too much, and you know we've got reliable, like a reliable pair of hands behind us as well. And he'll he'll keep pushing, he'll keep pushing McGregor. And any slip ups, I would like to see maybe, you know, giving it a change. So yeah, it's exciting times in the goalkeeping department. Absolutely, I think even any any backup goalie, if the absolute bare minimum is they make the number one choice, maintain the top level, then that, it's a it's a bonus. He's still gutted who didn't get Gillespie, or? No, what? Um, you will laugh and joke and mock me. Mark Gillespie is the next big thing, and I'll be I'll be wearing my smug tie when it when it comes to be true. So, Ian, we'll talk about the centre half first of first of all. Philip Hellander, uh, he was left back in Glasgow, for I think it's a. A slight injury. Um, I don't think it's anything too threatening. Obviously, Nico Katic is going to be out for the majority of the season. So we started both games with Goldson and Edmondson at centre half. Are you changing your mind yet, in Goldson? Are you still digging your heels in? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, 
two good performances and friendlies. Come on. Just there. Wait till it gets serious. And then if he's improved, then I'll, I'll maybe change my mind. But um, been impressed with Edmund, Edmondson. Uh, I thought he was really good, particularly on the Leon game. Um, I thought he had an excellent half. But yeah, and then Mayo coming in looked uh, solid as well. Big boy. Um, he is a unit. He's an absolute right. unit. So, I, I like. I, I now haven't seen him more. I'm, I'm more confident that we might not sign a fourth centre half. So, like, why, why, why bother wasting the money if, if he's there and, like, if he's, if he's not going to be playing, like, every week, then I absolutely wouldn't, I absolutely wouldn't waste the money signing a centre half who's not going to play either because he's probably only, he's going to be on a youth contract, um, and, and he's, I, he's cheap, but it it looks like he could be more than capable of doing a job in Scotland. Yeah, that that was my next question for you. Should be saying a, a centre half because over the course of the two games, we had five different players playing centre half: Golson, Edmondson, Calvin Bassey, not Calvin Bassey, Lewis Mayo, and the boy wonder Ross McCrory. So, I think yeah, I think there was more than enough evidence that. I think we'll be okay for for centre half cover in the short term while Nico comes back. I think this was almost an audition for George Edmondson to state state his claim as a third choice centre half. I think if he didn't play as well, Gerard will be going out and getting somebody out in the short term um, short term cover. So do you think he's done enough, then, Ian? Aye. Yeah, I I wouldn't. If if Hellander doesn't make it for Aberdeen, I wouldn't be too concerned. I, I think Edmondson might even be a better choice coming up against Cosgrove. I think Edmondson probably looks the strongest of our centre halves. So yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with him playing against Aberdeen. I think you need to look as well. If if Hellander doesn't make the game on Wednesday or Saturday, you need to go with Edmondson because he's not played any football. You know what I mean? You need to play Edmondson so. It'll be hard to get him back up to speed. Like, I know the games are coming thick and fast, but I wouldn't risk Calander coming in at Aberdeen with no playing any football. I, I think Motherwell's the ideal ideal test for Edmondson yeah. uh, in terms of physicality. They're a really physical team, not just up front, all over. So Edmondson will be tested physically, and if he copes well enough with that, then you know it might be, you know, he should be equipped to to go up against uh, Cosgrove. Yep. Who is an absolute hammer thrower, but that's um, that's an, uh, that's a different point for a different podcast. Craig, so sticking with the defence, we've seen we've seen James Tavernier and Nathan Patterson at right back. Let's just stick with them for for a moment. Um, Tavernier's a captain. He's you mentioned a couple weeks ago. He's just such a reliable athlete, uh, which is what you want in any football so he he's undoubtedly the first choice right back and he's so important to our team yeah, I don't care what MD says I know he has his haters but how did how did Patterson look in terms of a, uh, an understudy I'm really impressed by Patterson I think he's got 
he's still only 18 just now, so he's still got huge potential. Um, he didn't get a massive amount of game time, um, maybe about half an hour in total over the two games, uh, and he's impressed me. Uh, he's still got a bit more filling out and a bit of growing to do, I think. Um, but he's definitely doing all the right things so far, and, and what we've seen seems really committed, really um, determined as well, and seems to have a good attitude. So I, I'd be disappointed if we signed anyone else at right back. I'm quite happy for Patterson to come in if, if Tav's not there. Um, I think he's got, over the next few years we'll see more more of Patterson. And he reminds me a bit of Alan Hutton. Um, he's not Tav's a really technical fullback and delivers a good ball into the box, whereas like Hutton would be bombing down the wing, which I think Patterson's more more in that mode. Um, he'll be driving down the wing with the ball rather than the sort of delivery that, that Tav has um, but I hopefully especially if we are going to do the five sub rule that seems to be getting talked about I think he'll maybe get a bit more game time than he normally would so I am looking forward to seeing more Pat- Patterson I've seen a few people men- compare him to Alan Hutton and I think in terms of going forward and how he drives down the wing there is, there is comparables there what I think he's got over Hutton at that age Hutton was so undisciplined he was really, really rash. He'd go in for silly tackles. He would get caught out, uh, out of position. Even up until... We've still seen elements of that when he was playing under Walter Smith and he went to Tottenham. It wasn't until later in the, his career that Hunt done that. Parson looks really disciplined and I don't know if that's a mixture of how, how he is as a footballer or how Rangers are drilling this into the young players. So that's really... That's really good to see. Um, I think there was a... It would have been when we were nine men. We were down to nine men against Leon. He was really composed. He was in the right areas. He held the shape really well. So that's comforting to see. Scott, left back. Uh, how did Calvin Bassey... Uh, what? You're laughing. I was just saying you got his name right. So, <laughs> so, I'm so, I've actually got his name written down in capitals. Calvin, not not Cal, not Charlotte. Yeah. So we all know Bonner Barisic, kind of somewhere to have has got to be the first choice. He he had stints at left back and centre back. I actually preferred him at centre back. If I'm being honest, what was your thoughts on him? I think you just stole my point there. I think I said that to you before. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't know, he didn't seem too natural at left back, I think he seemed to want to go inside or get just up top and things, so I look at early days and I, I can't imagine, hopefully he doesn't get injured Barisic, but um, he might grow in a bit with time, but you know, it's, it's a chance to prove himself, I wouldn't be rushing to sign on our left back as well just for the sake of it, so yeah, let's give him a bit of time, but I wasn't overly impressed with him, that's not trying to say that negative, I, just, just, I was more impressed with what Patterson done, if you know what I mean, so yeah, we'll see what happens. Aye, I'm, I'm the same opinion of Bassey, he's, it's, it's obviously far too early to actually form any opinion on him, he's only played his first couple of games. But we are just fans, Craig, we jumped the gun off. <laughs> Let's not be rational about it. and shite, get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, he get he get caught out of position a couple of times. So I don't know. We'll maybe just put that down to to nerves and not being match fit. Um, so I uh, hopefully he improves as the, the weeks come on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So we all agreed that as it stands, because it's a long time until the transfer window shuts, I think it's the 1st of October now. Yep. Are we all agreed for going into the start of the season that we don't need any any more cover in the goalkeeping or defending areas? Yeah. I changed my mind about the centre-half. Um, right now, I would say we don't. But if you ask me tomorrow, I might change my mind and say we need somebody. Because I, I do like Edmondson, but I just think at times he's a bit... He switches off. He's obviously a young centre-half, so Katic is similar to him. Every now and then he'll just play a daft pass or have a wild swing at the ball and put himself under pressure. Um, but he, he is a, quite a solid defender when it comes to just getting blocks and making tackles and winning headers. Um, so right now I'd say we don't need anyone, but I might change my mind on that one. Moving on to the middle of the park. Ian, we've set up both games with fairly familiar middle threes uh, it was you know Davis, Jack, Kamara Aribo all featured uh, in the midfield roles it was quite good to see that we didn't go with Davis, Jack and Kamara together because I think we were guilty of that last year uh, we were putting them all three of them in when they were fairly defensive minded it was good to see Aribo in there um, I think we spoke a couple of weeks ago that Arebo's obviously such a talented player and he'll be very versatile, but we need to get him in the right position. Do you think that's where you'd see him see him playing this year? Yeah, I think so. I left of the three, probably, in the midfield. And then, like, definitely get him... I think he does his best work going forward. He's, he's good at winning the ball. Like He's good at hounding people and getting the big lanky legs in there and stealing the ball. Um but yeah, I, I want to see Arabo more on the front foot. I want to see if, you know, Kent and, and Hadji are switching. I want to see Arabo going round the outside or something maybe as well, if, if Kent's come in. Um, but definitely get him on the ball. I think there will be occasions when Davis Jack Kamara is the way to go, like Leverkusen. Yeah, I definitely want to see is more more aggressive in midfield yeah. and, and don't play anything. Do you not think Arebo's built up a bit as well and he looked a bit more aggressive? Yeah, yeah. But we've said that already, haven't we? That We felt that he was maybe maybe a bit weak at times. But, yeah, everybody's came back bigger, haven't they? Like, so Aye, that's the, I was going to make that point. I don't know if it's just over lockdown and they've obviously not been out playing football as much if it's easier and if you're just stuck in a house to get weights and do a bit of upper body strength work there I think I think a lot of the players seem to have bulked up 
Yeah, they've took on. They call me Duff Challenge. Uh, they've. Uh, I've sent them over my fitness regime. That's why they're all tanks. So. <laughs> Tumbleweed. <laughs> <laughs> so, Scott, Rangers have been linked heavily with that Bongani Zungu. The boy from Amiens, the South African internationalist, and he's been described as a combative box-to-box midfielder. I'm not going to ask you what you think about him because I I know <laughs> I know I don't think any is um, watch Amiens or on a regular basis or even the South African national team. But is that the kind of player we should be looking for in midfield, or what's your thoughts on what we need in midfield? On oh, I, I thought last season when we sort of signed Hadji our centre midfield is quite packed I think if, if he is going for him I think it's the end of Doherty it's Ross McCrory goes further down the pecking order you fucking well. watch yourself no I, I, that's what I mean if we sign him I know well, you should be seeing that at Gerrard and fucking uh, uh, Ross, Ross Wilson Um so I, I don't think it's what we need, but I was proved wrong with with Hadji as well. I didn't think we needed Hadji, and then he's came in and he's one of the first names in the team sheet. To be honest, so don't listen to me. What but, What do we need then? In the middle of the park, uh, for midfield. Are you happy with the options we brought? Because there is there is a lot of variety. I, th- I think there is in terms. I think. The crit- we've mentioned it before, but the criticism is, is there's nobody looking forward and, you know, maybe too defensive at times. But I think Jack's added a bit more attacking flair into his game. I think Aribo is naturally going to go forward as well. Um, I would maybe even be tempted to put him not as like a, not in like the centre mid, like a number 10, but not, not playing behind the striker, but tell him you don't need to track back all the time. We've got Davis and, you know, Kamara that can maybe do that role so I really don't think we need an R centre midfielder personally I would I'd like, as you say I'd like to see I know Ian you're a big advocate of it get Doherty some minutes I think this guy just reminds me of a cooler valley sort of signing <laughs> to be honest with you uh, so um, I'm happy with it as but you know I could be proved wrong I've never seen him play I've not watched his YouTube reel yet so Ian so I, I think we have a combative Combative um, centre mid who is box to box and Greg Doherty, we, 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 like, and he's proved when he went to Hibs that he can he can score goals, which I think is what the midfield's lacking. Goals. Uh, I think we need a goal scoring midfielder. We need a guy who's going to get his ten goals from midfield. Um, like you look at Celtic, and they've got like, uh, Christie and uh, Forrest and uh, McGregor and look at the amount of goals they chip in with we, we don't have anywhere near that that's what we need we need a guy who's going to chip in with 10 goals um, so I don't think I think when I seen that boy's stats he had something like two, go- two goals in 40 odd games so is that what we need I don't think it is I think it's somebody who's going to get you 10 a, 10 a season my concern about signing Zungu is those fucking Vuvuzelas if they ended up at Ibrooks. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they get left in South Africa if we do end up signing them. Maybe that'll do yeah. the, the constant fuck sake Tav. Over the, the, the two games, I've been really impressed with Glenn Kamara. I thought he's been excellent in the, the two games. 
I would, I'd actually like to see him be sort of a bit, a bit more unleashed like going forward. He's obviously got the ability to do it. Um, it's just not something that we, we see that often. He tends to sit back and play it safe. But I think if you could encourage him to get a bit higher up the pitch, um, he could have an impact and get more assists and more goals. And I think he plays that way for Finland. I think they play him a bit higher up the pitch and yes. it seems to do well for them. He played further forward for Finland and he, he's had very, very good appearances um, in that. Not quite a number 10, but, you know, the further forward of a three. We, we were talking about that as well. It's... I think we were playing FIFA or something daft or whatever. <laughs> but like, Gl- Glenn Kamara is actually, like, you probably wouldn't say he would be in the strongest 11, but what a player he is to have is a rotational player, if you know what I mean. He plays one in three games or two in three games, you know what I mean? He's not going to be your first name in the team sheet, but he's a very reliable option to have. So you definitely want him around the, the first team. But whether he plays every game or not, that's a different question. But, you know, he's he's still young, isn't he? He's, what, 24? Something, 24, 25? So this is my, this is my issue. I, I don't see any of our midfielders being able to give you 8, 9 out of 10 for 50 games a season. But I think all of our midfielders have different roles to play. So I think if Gerard is going to be doing what he did last year and it's your set three or at least your set two and you're retaining one, we need that one player in there who is a higher level than what we have. But if he has gone if if he has gone to change it up and bring different players in for different setups, then I'd be happy with what I've got. So it is all really dependent on the manager's thinking for me. Moving on to attackers then. Craig, we'll start with you because you know you, you made the point of, around the f- changing the system for the four when when he's playing instead of just assuming Alfie's playing all the time and playing that way. So we've got two very different cycles in Morelos and Defoe and both of them are excellent in their own way. Do you think we need anything more for centre forward? Uh, yeah, I'd be looking for one more to come in. Um, again, especially I mentioned earlier, if it is the extra subs that we're getting to use, um, it could make a big impact. Um, so I don't particularly have anyone in mind that that extra person could be, but we, uh, I think we definitely should get somebody in. Um, but see if you think of Kent, Morelis and Hadji, see if you could get all three of them flying at the same time. Like That's... That must be one of the best young attacks in Europe. Like that would be brilliant if they were all going at the same time. Um, but for Kent and Hadji, they need to start chipping in a lot more goals. Like You'd be looking for double figures and goals and assists from both of them for, for this to work properly. Um, I was going to ask, uh, when you said it, Ian, as well, like scoring goals from midfield, what, what, do you think what Gerard should actually sit down and say, right, you know, Ryan Kent, I want you to get minimum... 10, 15 goals, Hadji, 10, 15 goals. You know what I mean? Joe Aribo, 10 goals or something. Or, it's fine them if they don't get it. <laughs> but, like, uh, do you think they should be getting set of targets? And what do you, what do you think is realistic for them, to be honest? Do you think 15 goals for like, Hadji and Kent is realistic? Uh, well, it should be. Um, I, I think they both were, obviously, it's only two friendlies that we've seen, but they both were taking shots. Um, Kent did get a couple of assists. Uh, had you get his goal, so they were both um, taking shots from outside the box as well. So maybe that conversation has been had. Um, 
as I said, they both need to get into double figures for each for goals and assists, I would say. Uh, we were talking about that before it wasn't so when looking at the two games they were just they were they were shooting on sight almost you know what I mean which is good because you look at last season and especially Kent it was as if he tried wanted to skin somebody like two or three times before making a pass or something so it's good that they'll just get by your man take a shot and there was actually a chance where I think it was at Kent that shot and then it was like the keeper just caught it but somebody was jumping in to get the rebound but we're going to get goals from that so we need to be encouraging players to take more shots yep. and I think there's a really good point about putting pressure on other players to to get goals because not just last season over the last two years Morelos has had a really hard time when he's had a dip in form whereas every player in our team over the last two years has had a different form but it's been it's been magnified for Morelos because he was the only one scoring for us nobody else was ever bailing him out so un- I think unfairly it was more pressure on him just on the kind of the wingers or the two number 10s that we play uh, you know obviously Ken and Haji are going to be first names in the team sheet but Ian, there was a, another new signing who featured in Brandon Barker. This boy looked all right. Yes, Ian, I've been waiting in this moment. Sell Goldson, sell Barker, but Jonas is not good enough. Give me your. Dick. I never said Bar- Jonas isn't good enough. I said he. <laughs> <laughs> Pish. But, but then when Ger- have you Gerard said it in his interview, like he's better than he's shown. Yeah. Uh, didn't he? So, like, I I didn't. I did say Bar Jonas hasn't kicked on, but <laughs> um, I would still sell Golson and I'd still sell Barker. Like, we, when are we ever going to get that space in Scotland? It's even um, the first sign, Barker. I was actually I was thinking like a decent signing because my memory of him playing against us for Hibs was getting on the ball and bombing down the the wing with pace and power. And that's exactly what he's doing the other night. Uh, so that was a player I was expecting us to sign, but that's definitely not turned out to be the case. Scott, was Barker maybe a victim of the shot being too heavy, and will he benefit from potentially the, the current situation? I th- well, that's um, I I think he he will. I think he should be given a chance. I think was he signed in a three-year contract, so he's just his first year. But I know. I know he's had some shockers and things like that, but see, to be honest, about probably 95% of our fans were like, fuck me, Brent. Brandon Barker. It's not Brandon Barker. Jesus Christ. Nobody wanted him in the park. His confidence was at an absolute all-time low. And as Craig said, when he was playing against us, he looked very decent and somebody that we would have liked to have had in our squad so the fact that there might be no fans at the start of the season could actually work in his um, work in his favour if you know what I mean so I mean you're, you're knowing Man City's books for however long he is and you're useless so he obviously does have something I just think his confidence is just absolutely shattered and see, to be honest like we've not really got he's probably one of our most natural wingers if you think about it like his Kent's an inside forward. Hadji's like number ten. Jamie Murphy's like, I know he's a winger, but he's he, he always cuts inside. But let's see if you play Brandon Barker on the right and just tell him, right, you're doing one thing today. You're taking on the left back and putting a ball into the, the area. That's maybe a, another option, like a different type of system. So 
I think that he should be given another chance and then it's, it's, if we sell him just we're not even probably going to sell him just now we'll probably be released the now so I think there's no harm in, in keeping him about and, and giving him a, a couple of chances I think the pressure of no playing in front of some fans might benefit him to be honest so I, I feel like Barker's just going to be another O'Halloran. Like, O'Halloran was good for a team who teams would push up on. Teams don't do that with us, they sit in. So, like, the other night, Barker's best things were running that people into space. So, when is Barker going to get that space? Do you think we should sign a player like that then? Do you think we should be looking at more Greg, you know, like Greg Dock and Jamie Murphy, who are probably blessed with... Yeah, aye. You said sure. okay. <laughs> uh, Should we be looking at the players who maybe don't have the, the pace of Barker, but they're smart on the ball? Well, yeah, I think Kent's not. Kent doesn't have pace. Kent's not going to run past Jason Denier the way Barker did. But what Kent will do is he'll beat him with a wee trick or something, and then he's got that wee burst, and then he's he's away. He's past them. But, yeah, I, I, I think... Just Jordan Jones could fall into the same category. Um, that the lack of space for him, because c- when you look at when he played well, it was away in Europe and a bit more space. So I think they might they might struggle with the less the less space they're given. Ian, I, I do actually agree with you that at times Barker and Jones are going to struggle because their whole game is. Is based around their pace, but I still find there's a there's a there's a place for them. I think if you look at obviously Ken Ken and Haji and Aribo and these guys are going to be your first choices. But when I look at the options we have as cover, you've got Jones and Barker, who are very natural wide and beat players, uh, quick. They kind of that kind of element, and then you've got Jamie Murphy and Greg Stewart, who are not the quickest, but they're very good at turning. They're good at seeing, you know, seeing space, finding uh, finding space between the lines, quick quick passes. I think that's all. I, I think we're actually okay for cover in that area. But I do get Craig. I'll come to you. I do get there may be an element that you know we maybe need a higher caliber of that cover. What do you think? We need to remember it's a squad game And if we have the season that we want to have We're going to be playing easily 50-60 games So you could have Jones and Barker Doing the exact role that they done When they came on against Leon the other night So the European games That's maybe they're more likely to play But then when you're playing a packed defence at Ibrox They might not be in the squad And that's when you'd maybe look at Jamie Murphy And uh, Greg Stewart Who are a bit more slower players Not as much pace But more technical players I'd say More likely to be able to play a wee killer pass or a wee bit of skill to, to get you through somewhere. Um, but I, we still need we still need somebody a wee level up from them, I would say. Um, but across the, the whole season, there could be an argument about all of them, really, and what sort of roles they could play. With, uh, you said there about Barker and Jones being like good for Europe. Would you be playing them in Europe, though? Like, would you not be wanting to play Kent and Hanji? Uh, yeah, I mean more as a a sub to bring yeah. on. They obviously wouldn't be starting, um, but with 70 minutes played, they could do the exact role that they come on and done the other night. That's where they're most effective, isn't it? I think. 
Tiring, tiring fullbacks, get them on and bring footballs into the box. And we've seen that when jo- Jones obviously missed that chance in Lille. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm, fair, I'm pretty confident with what we have in terms of the cover, like behind the main striker, personally. Uh, okay, we touched on it earlier on that about bringing somebody else in for for the main striker because we brought Defoe and Morelos right now. Is Canberra good enough to be that other striker or do we look for something different? Uh, he's an interesting one because I wouldn't be upset if we signed him and he would do a good job and he would come in you know he'd score goals but again I'm hoping for somebody it's probably a name that's not been mentioned yet or somebody we don't know of uh, just that sort of calibre up but see if the window been open until October I reckon it'll be before we do any other big business it'll be into September towards the end of the, the window and then obviously a big big chunk of that depends if like Morelis was to go or that sort of thing but I think for the next couple of weeks there might not be too much transfer business getting done and then towards the end of the window that's when we'll see a bit more movement might depend as well on how we do actually to start if we're flying yeah. you know we might say ah, we're good as it is if we're struggling then quite similar well that was that was the best bit of uh, the best work that Gerard ever done eh? just get beat to Celtic at Ibrox and then we'll get Kent the next day you know what I mean <laughs> all, all intentional you know <laughs> oh well aye let's, let's see how it plays out then <laughs> so Ian We've covered the French players and we spoke about some of the youngsters so far, uh, mainly Lewis Mayo, Nathan Parson. I think we all agreed that we're waiting for them to get more game time. The game time they had over the last two games, they've impressed. What's your thoughts on Glenn Middleton coming back into the fold? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm hoping that he's... Uh... Expert opinion. Yeah, right. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I don't know what I think of Glenn Middleton anymore. Like... He burst onto the scene, didn't he? And it was brilliant. But that was as a like a wide left. And is are we going to play that way? I don't know if we are. I think we're going to go with the two tens. Um, and it, we didn't really see enough of him over the well. You know, he played in his game, didn't he? Didn't really see enough of him. Um, I thought it was quite interesting that he came on at um, left back because Zifa a big chunk of our games, he probably could play him at left-back, because he wouldn't have to do a lot of defending, especially at Ibrooks. Um and I thought he'd done really well with the, the quick throw-in for, for Jonas's goal, um, that was quite clever. Do you think... So you wonder, so. do, do, do you think, like, for these friendlies, we should be trying to play, like, experiment even for 45 minutes and play two wingers and see how it goes? Mm, yes, I know, because um, it's obviously the time try something a wee bit different but then at the same time it's not a normal pre-season really it's quite a short one and we need to get fully up to speed and we all know what formation and what tactics we're going to play it's it's not going to change so you could probably argue there's not much point yeah we do need to have options though I think so I I would like to see even if it's 45 minutes if we're 2-0 up against Coventry we're going into the next 45 minutes why don't we bring on and play them in their natural position play middle and left wing play, you know, Barker right wing, you know what I mean, and let's see how they do, and if they make an impact, you know what I mean, so. Ian's right, Middleton is a funny one, and I think a big part of it is how we view him, because he had such an impact, and he was he was doing really well at such a high level, with that goal in Moscow, and he played in Europe, 
we we see Middleton as a first team player and we'll rate him as a first team player. But he's only what twenty one year old. Or maybe not, even eight. not even that twenty. I've just uh, googled him there because that's what I was just wondering. Right, so he's only twenty. So it's old. Yep. So we should we should be putting him in the same bracket as Elisa Patterson and Mayo. And you're right, Craig. Uh, it's also worth pointing out that his middle his name's Glenn Bell Dollar Middleton. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. This this is why you listen, folks. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah, similar to Barker, he might be one that that he just needs a bit of game time, even if it's the last ten minutes. He comes on as a sub, like Aberdeen or whatever. Like not playing in front of fans and not having that pressure as a first team player, he might thrive. Um, so I think it's good to see him back in the fold personally because he obviously has talent so I just hope um, he can start to build his confidence back up Scott we did speak about Jamie Barjonis for quite a bit I, I've always really liked Barjonis um, I think I think there's maybe maybe a lot which is telling from Gerard's comments about him when he spoke about he's a better player than what he's actually been portraying uh, is he realistically a contender for the middle of the park, or do you think this will be another loan season for him? I can't, I can't see him getting into it. If I'm, if I'm being perfectly honest, um, do you know? I was actually thinking during the week when when you made the point, uh, Ian, last week when he, he went to Partick Thistle and didn't he didn't really impress. But you know, you get a lot of players that. You know, you get a player that can obviously make a big impact in a poor team, and they, they stand out. But some some players actually need good players around them to get the best out of them as well. And he might be one of the players that he's no playing. He needs people in like his sort of level to actually impress. So he needs to go to like a top of the sort of top of the league sort of team to to impress. So. I think he, he, I mean he's a he's a good he's obviously a good player and he's obviously as we mentioned very highly rated but I, I honestly cannot see him getting anywhere near the first team to be honest and that's just my honest opinion yeah. and that's why we have you on for your honest opinion Scott thank, thank you but on on that point you made about him going to party Thistle so Jamie Virgin says really neat and tidy on the ball he's a very good passer of the ball very composed you've seen that way his goal against Nice. So, the, I think the, there is something in that that when he went to Partick Thistle, they were they were scrapping for points. Yeah. They were just looking to shut out goals. So, it would have been they would have been playing long ball football straight from the keeper up to the striker. It might not suit his game. So, and then he could he could come into our style and impress. So you never know. It could it could be an option. But if we're getting linked to it. The you know the sign of midfielders I can't see him anywhere near it you know what I mean I think what he does give like we're saying like, we lack goal to midfield when it, he does seem to have an eye for a goal like certainly when I've seen him at youth level there was a game we were at and he scored an absolute rasper for outside the box um, so he, he does seem to have a wee eye for goal that's a, that's probably where Rangers struggled with him last season because. He was he was too good to be playing under twenty ones. Like um, I'm not saying he's the next superstar, but he was an absolute level above them. So that's why they wanted to get him first team football and try to find the right club for him. So 
is a tricky one, especially when we're so top-heavy in midfield. Craig, sticking with Gerard's comments in his post-match interview after Nice, eh, a lot of people have been talking about his comments on the youth, certain youth players or the attitude in the academy. So eh, he went on to say that he's, he thinks there's a bit of an ego in certain areas of the academy. He wants players to come through that A, are good enough. They want it, they, he wants them to train like they, it's a dream to play for Rangers. What, what do you think about these comments? Right, I think he said everything apart from actually naming Kai Kennedy in it pretty much, didn't he? Um, Sorry, I, he, he, that was the other thing he mentioned. He wants Rangers to commit to, he wants the players to commit to Rangers. Uh, it's disappointing because I've seen Kennedy play a few times and I'm really impressed by him. Um, I would like to see him get more time and forcing his way into the team and being with us for years to come. But if he's not going to sign a contract, if he gets head turned and wants to do something else, then the manager's right. If sign a contract or fuck off. Simple as that. So the, the rumour I've heard is he wants pay parity with, with Jake Hasty. If he's going to be, if he's going to be around the first team, if and Kai Kennedy's going to be around the first team, and Jake Hasty's being sent out on loan, he wants pay at the same level as Jake Hasty, which we're not prepared to give. No, and as uh, Craig mentioned, uh, I don't think Rangers should be bent over a barrel by anybody, uh, let alone a youth player. But I, I think I think the Kai Kennedy situation that's. That's pretty straightforward. We, he's one of the most talented players in the youth setup, and he wasn't even brought on on the trip at all. So I think we know what's going on with him. But I actually think Gerard's comments run deeper than Kai Kennedy. So I'm going to ask your thoughts on this. I, I genuinely think I don't think Gerard would be would be saying that kind of stuff just about one individual youth player. I actually think there may be an element of ego in the academy in general and if you look at the academy for the last two or three years from under 16 right up to under 21 level they have dominated for the most part so I think there may be an element of the players there is a cockiness in the players I don't think somebody like Kai Kennedy who only made 10-15 minutes against Ra, will start demanding wages if there's not a culture of that we are better than, or we think we're better than what we're getting paid. What do you think? I don't know. It's, I mean, I don't know who represents Kai Kennedy. I think a lot. You can obviously automatically blame the agent uh, for it, but I, I don't know. I think I think it's a, a general and, and youth players now. They they think they're the the next big thing and they've achieved. You know stuff in football because they've won a few youth tournaments but at the end of the day they're nowhere near it if they've not made you know appearances in the first team you look at you obviously I mean he's commented on it, the attitude of probably Mayo and Patterson in particular is good they're, their feet's in the ground they're working hard and they're getting an opportunity but obviously with I don't know if Kai Kennedy's not training properly or, or whatever 
it's the the mentality of it. But yeah, I think they need to go back to basics. I mean, Gerard will probably look at his time at Liverpool. Like he he had to work hard and he had to impress and he took nothing for granted. He knew there was players better in his position. He had to work twice as hard. Do you know what I mean? Like just because he got one first team appearance. So I think there's a bit of him going back to his playing days, which I think he does quite a lot when when he has been manager. So. Yeah, I don't know, but what what would you think about Kai Ketch? Do you think his career is over, or do you think, can you see there being a way back from him? It's quite interesting hearing your thoughts on that one. I actually find us so again, I don't find that was a, a direct a direct dig at Kai Kennedy. I find that was... It was. It was. <laughs> no, I, I, generally, I generally think that there's something deeper, there may be something deeper uh, in the actual the academy or the culture in the academy. Do you think that's why it's maybe been changed about a wee bit? Potentially, aye. There's been a massive... Like, Graham Murray has came away from like, hands-on, hands-on coaching altogether. He's in a more operational role. There's been massive changes, so that might be part of the bigger thinking. I'm not saying there's not a problem with Kai Kennedy. Like, it looks as if there is, but I think this actually runs deeper. So because there's maybe a deeper problem, I, I think there still is a way back for Kai Kennedy. Craig, you you were shouting there. The you think you think it was a direct dig at Kai. Do you think there's a way back for him? Aye, because I, I think there's a, a contract on the table for him. So it's a case of signing the contract and you'll be part of the the club and he'll be back in the fold and getting game time. But if he's not going to sign it, then why should we give him the chance? Yeah, I'm the same. I, th- I think that it might be the kick up the arse to, to get him to sign the contract that he's been needing. And if he does sign it, then I, c- I can see him being being in the in the squad. I was saying, imagine you're Kai Kennedy sitting at home and you see that interview, you must have been like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so... Scott, sticking with you, uh, I've seen a few fans on Twitter and, and Facebook and stuff moaning about Gerard airing dirty laundry in public. Personally, I love the fact that for better or for worse, you will always get the truth out of Gerard, and he's very transparent. I get the argument that some fans might say player issues should be kept indoors but what's your thoughts on how he came across with that? No, I think, I, I think he's spot the money. I, I think if he didn't do that people would be saying he's too soft to be honest but it's just the way, I mean when we grew up with football as well it was always tough love wasn't it? You know, if you weren't doing your job right you would you'd get slated so I know I know there is the argument to protect players and do that but I, I think he's... Um, I think he's spotting the money. I, I, I think he should be doing that um, all the time. I think it's the bit up the arse the, the person I need, to be honest. So that'll bring us to a close for today's episode. We will be back next week with the weekly roundup and look at the how we go on against Motherwell and Coventry. There's also a lot, lot of content on Acast and Apple. This Wednesday, we'll be bringing you the first ever Gallant Fear quiz. Last week, you can listen back to our interview with the one and only Moses Ashley Cody. So, 
everybody will have their thoughts on his time at Rangers, but it was actually a very interesting and very honest interview about his career in general. So all that's left to do is thank my three co-hosts, beginning Mr Scott Hodge. Cheers, mate. Ian McCready. Thanks for having us. And Craig McAdam. Cheers. Take care, folks. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.